It is Friday, September 30th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Bengals beat the Dolphins on Thursday Night Football, but the concern is the health of Tua Tunga-Vailoa. And a full slate of college football and NFL to preview. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. Welcome into Straight Out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Cincinnati Bengals get a win. 27-15, move to 500. Dolphins fall to 3-1. Tua knocked out of the game with a head injury, taken to the hospital, then released in a scary scene at the stadium. Yeah, and let's start there. Well, I guess let's start with the game. What do you think? Tua or the game? What's the what's to, the lead here? To it's, me, it's Tua. It's turned into Tua. It, it has like. to be because this game plays out com- differently if Tua doesn't start the game or doesn't get knocked out of the game. Yeah, yesterday on this show, I said, and we, Fez was here, we all kind of tongue-in-cheek like poked fun at the idea that Tua didn't have a concussion last week, even though he got up and like stumbled around clearly mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. he was punch drunk. Uh, and the, the Dolphins and the NFL and everybody stood by that explanation all week, that it was a back injury, no head injury whatsoever, and maybe maybe they're still telling the truth. Maybe. It seems less likely now, but maybe. And then tonight, uh, last night, you, you get Tua again with a, a, a head-hitting-the-turf type injury and sort of a whiplash injury, and he's knocked out clean. He's got the, the clenched hands. I mean, this is an ugly, ugly scene on national TV. It is it's just not a good look even if it was just a back injury last week which mm-hmm. again you can believe what you want to believe about it if it was just a back injury last week this one's clearly a concussion yeah and it it looked like you know and i'm not a doctor i read what some doctors were saying on twitter it looked like the second impact type concussion which that's why they have this protocol they that's why they say hey you can't go out there with a concussion because if you get a second concussion while you're concussed, not only can it be like more damaging, it can be deadly. So this was a really dangerous spot that Tua was in tonight, if you believe that he had a concussion before. Uh, and obviously the concern is, you know, it, will he be back? Like if, mm-hmm. if this it's not was about a, like next week, it's just about in general. Yeah, right if now. this was a second concussion, if this was second impact, it could like it could be the season. It could be like he just doesn't play football anymore. Mm-hmm. So and obviously that's there's a lot of speculation. The great news is last night Tua got released from the hospital. Yeah, all his extremities are functioning. I mean th- those are positive things. But listen, I have seen a lot of guys get knocked out, and that hand thing freaks me out every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stiff arms, the stiff thing. It it's, it always is crazy looking. Or like they're doing the leg raise two inches off yeah, the fo- yeah, off the mat, yeah. where it's like, why are you doing that while you're sleeping? But it's 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 a really scary thing. Anytime it happens, when it happens for that long, like it, it gets scarier and scarier. Because normally after a few seconds, things calm down. This was a long time Tua was on the ground, clearly out. Let's hear from Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel after the game. It was a, uh, you know, it was a scary moment. Um, he uh, was uh, 
evaluated for um, for concussion, and he's in the concussion protocol. Uh, he he was at he was at the hospital. I believe he's about to get discharged. Um, it was uh, yeah that that was an emotional moment. Um, that is not part of the deal that anyone signs up for, even though you you know it's a possibility in, in football to have something that you have to get taken off in a, on a stretcher is, uh, you know, all of his teammates, myself, we were all, um, very, very concerned. So the, the best news that we could get is that everything is checked out, um, that he didn't, uh, have any, anything more serious than, um, a, a concussion will be, uh, he'll be flying back with us here on the plane. We could discuss, AJ, all we want, whether or not he should have played in this game. And a lot of us would say that there's no way he should have played in this game. He didn't practice. He We we assumed he was dealing with a concussion. But from all the reports from the Dolphins, as you mentioned, he went through the protocols. And it was a back injury. It was not a concussion. Here was Mike McDaniel on Tua playing in this game. Yeah, otherwise we would have reported him having a head injury. I mean, that's that's why the NFL has these protocols, um, and there's not, like every single NFL game that is played, um, there's an independent specialist that specializes in the specialty of brain matter. So, um, yeah, the, um, for me, as long as I'm coaching here, um, if there's any, uh, you know, I'm not going to fudge that whole that whole situation if there's um any any sort of inclination that someone has a concussion they go into the concussion protocol and it's very strict without without um yeah people don't vary or stray we don't mess with that never have and i as long as i'm the head coach that will never be um an issue that you guys have to worry about do you believe that? You believe that no one ever bends those rules? I, I get that there's strict rules put in place, and I believe that it's certainly helped overall. But you don't think there's times when they're like, ah, "This is a big game. Let's 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 maybe." Uh, you saw four. Mm-hmm. I had three up, but four is close yeah, to three. I, it's I, right I next door. Know, I don't know if they would do that. What I do think, and you would agree with this, AJ, the player just doesn't want to come out of the game. The, play, and the, the player that, is listen, just – you have to protect the player. Listen, though. this this is – I talked about this earlier this week about Justin Herbert. And you, mm-hmm. want to, you want your quarterback to be a dog. You want him to want to get out there and fight through injury. That's ribs. It, there's a reason why this is supposed to be a third-party situation yes. where the player doesn't have a say, the coaches don't have a say. It's supposed to be completely independent because it, a player – let me tell you something about when you're concussed – you're not thinking straight. You're not thinking clearly enough to make decisions that could impact mm-hmm. your livelihood for the long term. You're thinking, oh, i got to get out there and play this football game. Let me tell you this, and I fully believe this. If the Dolphins were winning 28-3 to when Tua got knocked out last week, he's done. I agree. He's done. I but agree. this was it was the Dolphins' Super Bowl. And, I, again, I'm not a doctor. But I know enough to know what I'm seeing is is not a back injury, mm-hmm. you know. And 
I, I, in a way, I kind of understand wanting to go out there and, and push it a little bit. That's everybody. In, you don't make it to the NFL if you're not competitive. You don't make it to the NFL if you're not ultra competitive. Mm-hmm. That goes for players. That goes for coaches. That goes for everybody. Yeah. And I get trying to bend those rules, but this is one rule that I think like there there can't be any wiggle room on. And that's why they brought someone who's not associated with the NFL in. But I, I don't know. And again, it could just be the doctor made a mistake. Yeah. Like it, doctors misdiagnose things. Mm-hmm. No doctor's perfect, and it, no one's going to come after him because it, you know it's you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, but it is uh, it, it looked obvious to me, and in hindsight, mm-hmm. it, like if you watch the two plays back to back and you think that these happen in consecutive weeks, it's like, yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah, like this is they no usually, surprise. They usually compound. They usually come one after another. Yes. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook is announcing that they will refund all losing bets on Tua for his props, as well as any same game parlay where Tua was the only losing selection. So with him getting knocked out because of this, and let's say you had a Tua over passing yards and you lost, who the hell would have that after I, you I saw him? Know. Like I don't know, but I'm just saying if, if you had Tua over touchdowns, rushing yards, anything. Look, the sharp play was on the under on everything. Today, everything, even though money came in on the over. Yeah. And full disclosure, I was on the over because I was following the money. I gave everybody the, was all over the over tonight. I gave the under on this show yesterday as my best bet. You were worried first half. I don't think so. I was worried, at, like when the Bengals scored the first touchdown, really yes. quick, and then the Dolphins everything go right slowed down, the field, down and then and they the settled. field goal. That was the killer. They yeah, so, the field and, goal. and then by halftime, it looked like it was going to be a clear under. Uh, but it was. It, I, I'll admit, I was more worried when the total pushed up to forty nine because I was like, oh, 47 and a half. 47 is a key number. Give me forty seven and a half under. And then by the time the game went off last night, it's forty nine. I wasn't feeling great, but again, my handicap was. If Tua is out there, I don't think that he'll be right. And Tua wasn't out there for most of the game. Although, listen, if you look statistically, Teddy Bridgewater played very well. I mean, it played better than Tua, which no surprise because some people would would probably assume that Tua had a concussion before this game. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater, 193 yards passing, one touchdown, one pick, an 80.2 QBR for the game. Uh, and Tua, 8 of 14, 110 39.9 QBR, no touchdowns, just one pick. McKenzie says, yeah, for, first half did go over 26. So, yeah, I guess maybe at halftime, I, I don't know. I, it just, But by halftime, Tua was out, and I was like, this, there's no way this goes over. There was also a uh, decision here, you know, that fourth down decision bot mm-hmm. that you see on Twitter all the time. So it was fourth and one, one yard from the end zone, fourth quarter, 12.03 left in the game. And it was 15-14 the score. To the, your win percentage when you go for it, 68%. Your win percentage when you kick a field goal, 61%. They decided to go for a field goal. Evan well, McPherson, 19-yard field goal. And he, but even if they get a touchdown there, every under covers. So you never know. I don't know how the game plays out. It's the foul. I mean, why would it play out any differently? Yeah, it's the predetermined outcome. I don't know. You okay, can't, can't just assume things happen the way that they happen. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. But 
Uh, I think that is a gambler's fallacy right there where you're like, (laughs) if this happened, everything else would have happened exactly the same. So if they just make that basket at the end of the second quarter, the game goes over because they score the same amount of points (laughs) in the second half. Right, McKenzie? This is why 80% of betters think they should have won at the end of the game. Exactly. If that three-pointer goes in, right, the rest of the game plays out exactly the same way. I would have won by a half point. I would have won by a half point. But wouldn't it be an equal fallacy to assume that things would have been different? I just think it's, it's no. <laughs> like suddenly it's an overgate. Like, you're, just, aren't you falling into the same I'm trap? I'm saying the fallacy is that you can't assume everything plays out exactly the same. Fair enough. You just, you, the, the, the thing is, we don't know how the rest of the game plays uh, out. You're right. I uh, don't know. On the other side, Joe. If the Dolphins are down by more than a field goal there, does their strategy change? I'm sure it does. Do they push the ball downfield more? Uh, probably not. T- Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback. Remember? He did have that one throw to Tyreek Hill where Tyreek Hill bobbled it, but then brought it in. They wound up settling for a field goal on that drive. So. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, by the way, 10 catches, 160 yards on 14 targets tonight. He was an absolute monster. Uh, Joe Burrow, 20 of 31, 287, two touchdowns, no picks. But the best quarterback on the field tonight was Tyler Boyd. Uh, one of one, 100 QBR. One of the prettiest balls I've seen a receiver throw ever. Like on a on a line, baby. Uh, so kudos to Tyler Boyd and all three of those uh, those receivers for the Bengals. T. Higgins seven for one twenty four and a touchdown. Jamar Chase four for eighty one and Boyd two for forty seven. Everybody had a big night. The one thing I will say about this, and everybody cashed in. Every sharp better cashed in on the Bengals. Yeah, right. You know, we talked about it with Fez last night. It was just such a horrible situation for the Dolphins to come into after the grueling game last week against the Bills, but then playing on the short week. And we know that Thursday night football is always a disadvantage for the road team, right? You get less rest time. You got to travel. And and there's a reason why we always talk about, oh, there's bad football on Thursday nights. Yeah. yeah it's, well, thir- Thursday night football is dumb. It's, it, it is stupid. It is. I, I love it as a consumer of the NFL. Yeah, I love having a night the in the middle of the week where it's like. players are not ready to play on Thursday yeah. nights. And it's why do we think all these primetime unders are coming in? It's because the players are not ready to play on Thursday night. They're just not healthy enough. I've talked to players. You've talked to players. The the sense that I've gotten and the answers that I've received is that some of them don't even feel ready to play until Sunday, until the following Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) I, I just can't. What the NFL needs to do is they've already gone the extra week. They need to go another week, make it an 18, 19 week season. And then give every team two buys. I don't hate that idea. And then you play one of your Thursday night games after one of your buys. That's the only thing I can think of. But if you look at this game and we have the fourth quarter win share, it was never in doubt. Cincinnati, an 82.6% chance to win this game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. that's about what you'd expect, I think. So there's no like surprise number that pops up there on that. So no. that's a that's a, a pregame no. research stat, 82.6% fourth quarter win share. Next week, the Dolphins... Teddy Bridgewater, I assume, will lead the Dolphins to the Meadowlands at the New York Jets. Okay. How much of a drop-off is it in terms of rating the Dolphins? You know, it's a good question because had you asked anybody, and I bet, you know, Fez does these quarterback rankings. uh, Had you asked anybody at the beginning of the season, what's the drop-off from Tua to Teddy Bridgewater? I bet it would have been minimal because Tua was looked at as a below-average NFL quarterback coming into this season. Mm-hmm. Three ga- And Teddy Bridgewater was looked at as an elite, if not the best, backup quarterback 
in the NFL. So the drop-off, people probably would have said it was minimal, but through three games, Tua was he was certainly not a below-average quarterback. He was the best quarterback in the league per QBR going into this week. So I think the drop-off is much more now than it would have been you know, at the beginning of the season. So last season, Tua had a QBR of 49.7 last season. He started 12 games. He played in 13 games. He had a 49.7 QBR. Last year, Teddy Bridgewater, in 14 starts for Denver, finished the season with a QBR of 47.4. So 47.4, 49.7. These are fairly even quarterbacks with Tua having a slight edge. Although, and let's talk, I mean, talk about what he's done this year as well, because well, this, this is with a new coach. Uh, and I, you know, I've heard people talk about this that Tua is the perfect quarterback. For for McDaniel's system, like this is a a a, per, a perfect marriage mm-hmm. between these two guys. So I, I don't I'm not sure about that. I don't I I don't know enough about that. Off McKenzie actually probably knows more about that offense than I do. do. Does he seem like a good fit to you, McKenzie? Absolutely. Anticipation downfield is the strongest suit. Works out in the play action system. Yeah. So listen, I I think that whatever we thought about Tua a year ago. It's it's wiped away. It's certainly changed. Uh, McKenzie said Fedson in his quarterback rankings on Wednesday, and he has a one point drop off from Tua to Bridgewater. I disagree with that strongly. I I, I don't. I, it's got to be more than that. So I have an opener for next week: Dolphins at the Jets, five and a half, Miami. That's on the that's at the Westgate. What was the look ahead, McKenzie? Can you pull that? Yes, one second. Yeah, that'd be interesting because that'll tell us exactly what, at least initially, what the market yep. thinks the drop-off is. So we find that look-ahead, compare it to this open. Five I can't and a half. imagine the Dolphins were looked ahead to be more than a six- or seven-point favorite at the Jets, right? The Dolphins just beat the Buffalo Bills. They're, that's they're that's un- a fair I mean, point. everybody's excited about this. They were mm-hmm. excited about this team. Um, Looks like it was six before the game. So they're saying a half point. Uh, you know what? And you know, And I'll say this. I bet there's money that comes in on the Jets. I, I, because, oh, sure. Because I think people – and well, you know what? That depends on how Zach Wilson looks this week. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Wilson may – people if may Zach find Wilson out – Zach Wilson looks like last year's Zach Wilson. Yeah. Money's coming in on Dolphins. <laughs> because I said the other day, <laughs> Joe Flacco is a better quarterback right now than Zach Wilson. So it's a weird quarterback situation in that game uh, for sure. So. All right, Cincinnati next week at Baltimore. Ravens minus three and a half. That's an interesting game, and I, I think it's it's really hard for me to know what the Ravens are. I think this game against Buffalo will tell us a lot about them. Uh, but that Baltimore-Cincinnati game in a week, it, that's got to be one of the biggest games of the season in the AFC North. Uh, it's, it's pretty clear. The Bengals, after even after the 0-2 start, the Bengals don't feel like a disappointment anymore mm-hmm. after this win tonight. It feels like the Bengals are back on track. They're a playoff team. Any kind of concern you had, like we, I mean, we've talked before about the 0 and 2 stats. You start out 0 and 2, your chances of making the playoffs drastically fall off. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way about the Bengals anymore. No, they, no. Like, they feel like a firm playoff team. Does a loss to Buffalo on Sunday for Baltimore change the line for Ravens Bengals? I think it would. Yeah, I think, think it would. That three and a half becomes two and a half. Yeah, I think. I, spe- I, I, I shouldn't say a loss. I think. If it meets expectations against the spread, if the Ravens lose by a field goal, I don't think there's no any adjustment. Yeah. Uh, if the Ravens, if the, get Raven, blown out. if the Ravens look like the Tennessee Titans looked against Buffalo 
or, or the uh, the Chargers looked against Buffalo, then, then there's a massive adjustment. Ravens that gets made. minus two. Yeah. So I, I do. Yeah. That, that's that's the only thing that would really change things, in my opinion. All right. Looking ahead to the rest of Week Four, let's start with a 9:30 Eastern kickoff. In jolly old London, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, Minnesota that, at New that Orleans. That accent is, okay. All I, right, all right then. See, that's, I can't tell if it's good or not. That's my Peaky Blinders that's, accent. You know what? It's it's very Jason <laughs> Statham. That's what that is. That was, a, right, Mackenzie? Was that, that was like a Statham. I'm like, where did AJ go? That, that was that, thank you. That's my Peaky Blinders accent. Uncanny. My wife hates Jason when, Statham walked into our studio for if a I say, all right, all right, she gets very that's, upset. See, that sounds like a soccer hooligan. <laughs> and I can't tell if that's more English or is that like Northern Ireland? Is that another part of the UK? Like I might be Australian. Listen, it's all I've got. It is a little, it <laughs> it's is all a, I've got. It, it is a little Australian there. <laughs> all right, Minnesota at the Saints, nine thirty Eastern Time kickoff. Minnesota, a two and a half point favorite there on the neutral. I'm all about the Minnesota Vikings, uh, and on the Dream Pod, I gave this out as my three star play because the Saints really are a mess offensively, and Jameis Winston just continues to miss practice this week. We know he's dealing with the back injury, and and Dennis Allen gave him a day that's kind of like a, a, a recovery day, if you will, a veteran day on Wednesday. But then he doesn't practice again on Thursday, and I I, I don't is he gonna play? Is he not gonna play? Is he gonna play and he's gonna look like he's been looking, which is like the old Jameis Winston? He's got five interceptions already on this leads year. the league in interceptions. He's been sacked eleven times through three games. Uh, the Saints' defense is not getting any pass rush, which has been a staple for them. They're 30th in PFF on pass rush. And that's really the, the game where Kirk Cousins looked the worst was against Philadelphia, where they were all over him all night. So, yeah, I don't like what I've seen from the Saints. And I started, I had this theory. Let me test it on you guys. Tell me if you think I'm crazy. Maybe this Saints team is pretty much the same Saints team that they've been rolling out there the last several years. And Sean Payton was he was good enough to cover up a lot of warts. And without Sean Payton there, the warts are are on full display. I would agree with that. Uh, and and we talk about downgrades with players, but there was a lot of love for the Saints team going into the season, and and majority of it had to do with the anti Bucks sentiment, which I agreed with. I mean, Fez gave out the Bucks win well, total under. We it, were all about. We were all negative on the Tampa Bay Bucks. It had to do with the, if you were negative on the Bucks, there was no uh, there was no way exactly. you could like the other two teams in the NFC South, who both are, are just horrendous, the Falcons and the, yes. uh, the Panthers. So that left one team for people to buy on, and but, it was the Saints. And after you're seeing what the Saints have looked like through the first three weeks, they're a couple of minutes away from being zero and three on the year. If they don't come back at the end of that game against the Falcons, this is a winless Saints team. And clearly there's a major downgrade from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen. And this team is not getting the best from Jameis Winston, which they did get last year at times, but he's hurt again. Maybe Taysom Hill. I don't know what they can that, do with this that's, offense. That's that not the answer. Over, that, that experiment's <laughs> over. The defense is not playing up to snuff either. So... There's no way I can like the Saints in this matchup. Not with Jameis Winston dealing with the back fractures or whatever he's dealing with. Yeah, I, I, you know, you like to hope that Michael that's... Thomas did not practice as well. Uh, so it's just, um, 
Man, there, and, there's a lot. Jarvis Landry was limited. Traquan Smith was a full participant. So, uh, And you have to wonder if, if Jameis continues to be ineffective, and we now know that he's dealing with literally a broken back, although they say it's a pain tolerance issue, you've got a pretty high-priced backup in Andy Dalton. At some point, do you make a move and say, well, hey, he let's... took all the first-team reps the past two days in practice. It, it's, it would make some sense, and it would make some sense if at some point in this game we saw Andy Dalton. So I'm with you. Minnesota minus two and a now, half would be the way I'd look there. they're also dealing with injuries as well. Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook has got his little shoulder thing, and, and he practiced, and they said he's going to wear a brace, and uh, he did have a full practice on Thursday, which is important. They expect him to play. The good thing about the Minnesota Vikings is that Alexander Madison is a very capable backup. And there's oftentimes during just normal games every single week where Madison gets a ton of touches of the football. So even if Dalvin Cook is unable to go for a full game, they have a perfectly good complement backup in Alexander Madison. All right, let's go to the midday game or the noon games, I guess. Buffalo minus three at Baltimore. Big game there. Minus three. Man, how could you go against John Harbaugh as an underdog? John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches as an underdog in his career. Harbaugh seven and one in his last eight games. As a regular season underdog. That being said. Home dog at that. That being said. Buffalo Bills feel like a team that is going to bounce back from that loss against Miami. Yeah, you know, and McKenzie has some good stuff on this. I I was saying that the Bills offense still looked really good. And and I guess... uh, the, the yardage, the numbers look good. The points didn't look good. But you said Josh Allen had one of his worst games of his career last week, right? Yeah, six turnover-worthy plays, 54 PFF grade. To put that in perspective, Trey Lance was better than that last year in his rookie year. So Ooh. very so we, bad we performance. The but... dropped interceptions that he could have had, like the six picks, the two of them could have been returned to the house. And, and McKenzie, you also brought up something that was interesting, that maybe the Dolphins – had this bend-but-don't-break mentality against the Bills. Yeah, there was an NFL Films video of one of the defensive coordinators or defensive coaches talking to a linebacker and saying, hey, 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 keep doing what we're doing. They're going to F it up. He didn't say that, but you know what he said. Yeah. They're going to F it up if we just keep doing what we're doing. That's like the definition of bend-don't-break. It worked at the end of both halves. They had long drives, zero points. This happens when, when you have that mentality. The one concern that I have about the Ravens kind of playing a similar style here against Buffalo is that the Ravens defense outside of that game against the New York Jets has not looked capable of stopping anybody. They allowed the Dolphins to score 28 points in the fourth quarter and they allowed the Patriots who do not have an explosive offense. The Patriots who turned the ball over well, how many times did they turn the ball over in that game? Four four times, I think, they turned the football over? The Patriots still put up 26 points against them. Yeah, the defense is banged up, but so, so is the Buffalo Bills defense. And this was the game we were talking about earlier in the week because we didn't know what the weather would look like for this game. Mm-hmm. And if you say, okay, play this game inside a dome, it's it's the easiest Total over call of the year. 61. Yeah, because Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson <laughs> have been the two best quarterbacks in the whole world. Yeah. 
And it's like, well, who these defenses, there's nobody on the – they're the walking wounded. So it feels like an automatic. But with the weather questions, that, that sort of is, is dampening things a little bit. But I do think this is a matter of whose defense, you know, has a pulse on Sunday. If, if one of these defenses shows up, outperforms expectations, that's a team I think gets to win here. And to me, I think that the, the uh, Buffalo defense with a guy like Von Miller – can make a big game-changing play more so than what the Ravens' defense has shown me. I'm a fan of the Ravens. I'm a big fan of Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar. I love the way that Lamar Jackson just said, "Okay, I'm just going to play without a con." I, I just I have all the respect for him and him to come out and play as well as he has. He's become one of my favorite players, and this as someone who watched him play in college and said on the radio out loud. This guy's not going to be able to play in the NFL because he's the least accurate quarterback I've ever seen. And turns out he can play in the NFL. He he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think anybody who's questioned at that point at, at this point is out of their mind. So I I think this is whoever wins. This is a matchup of of the two star quarterbacks in the league this year. The, the future mm-hmm. of quarterback in the NFL. So you know I'd hate to take anything away from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers while they're here, but I think this is the future of quarterback in the NFL. This game. You go so, over fifty one. I, I probably will. I, I've got to wait, and I'm going to wait until tomorrow and see what the weather looks like. Because mm-hmm. oh my gosh, some of the weather down in Florida. Oof. If that's gonna, if that's going to continue up the coast, who knows what it'll look like? But it is a game that I I would expect to have some points, especially with the Bills the way they're banged up on defense. So as of this morning, we're looking at uh, rain on Sunday, seventy five percent chance of precipitation in Baltimore. Winds to the north northeast at fifteen miles per hour. All right, let's go to Sunday night football, and this is one of the bigger movers of the week. Uh, Kansas City, a pick at Tampa Bay. How much has this moved, McKenzie? Early in the week, it was Chiefs minus three on the road. Went to one, which is where it was in the look ahead. Now it's pick them. Yeah, this is a massive move. I mean, for, to go from three to a pick them is not nothing. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if this is pessimism against the Chiefs. They lost a game. They look mortal. Oh, I guess this time a week ago, we all thought the Chiefs were right there with the Bills, maybe a notch behind the Bills, best team in the second best team in the league. Now they lose to the Colts. It's an ugly loss, and it's like, oh, really? Are these guys that good? They don't have a kicker. I don't know. So I, I don't know what if it's negative Kansas City or positive on Tampa. I guess there's some positive. Uh, Mike Evans is coming back, but that's not a surprise. That would have been known on the look ahead. Yep. Mike Evans is he didn't have a broken arm. He was suspended <laughs> for one game. I mean, it was known he would be back the next game. So I'm not sure what's driving this move. You have an idea? No. Uh, well, the, we know that the game is still going to be played in Tampa on Sunday night. So the weather has kind of shown that it's going past Tampa. We're okay with the storm. And so this game that was in jeopardy of being moved is now staying put. So the game will be played in Tampa. As far as any injury report is is concerned, um, I mean, Julio Jones was a limited participation in practice. He's probably going to play. Uh, for is the, Julio Jones moving the number at this point? No, though? no, but it gives you know it, it gives Tom Brady another weapon now. So it, Tom Brady has now Mike Evans, Russell Gage, and Julio Jones available to him. So here's the question, and this and this is what it, you know what 
Mackenzie, I know you've learned a lot of this from RJ, too. If we can't explain a line move, it means one of two things. It means there's someone who's got information that we don't have, Mm -hmm. or there's an overreaction and we want to bet against it. If you had to take a guess now, if you had to swing at this game, Kansas City pick when it was was minus three a few days ago, which way are you swinging? I'm swinging that it is a overreaction. McKenzie? I'm going to say the overreaction happened when it moved to three. The look ahead was one. I don't think the Bucks' offense was that terrible to move it from one to three. So I'm going to say that was the overreaction. Now we're moving back to reality with the with the line where it is now. So if you had to, if you were forced play on this game, what would you say? What would you take? Chiefs. I think the line should be one. Let's pick them. I think that's where I'm at. I, I think the Chiefs are the better team right now. So. Tom Brady is seven and two, both straight up and ATS after a loss as a member of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And uh, when Tom Brady is listed as an underdog in a game following a loss. In his career, 15-1 and one against the spread. Throw that out the window. It's a pick now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Things have gone against you, friend. <laughs> to hear everything we've got on the rest of the NFL games on this very feed, go to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. That was put out on Thursday morning, Wednesday overnight. Uh, but you can hear our breakdown on every game of the week. Let's take a look at college football this weekend. We had a game tonight or last night on Thursday night. BYU goes to four and one with a 38-26 win over Utah State. I bet my or beat my chest over the best bet that I gave on the Bengals under last night. I'll I'll take my lumps on this one. I said BYU team total in the first half over 21 and a half. Five minutes into the game, they had put up 14. <laughs> uh, I, I'm feeling great about this. Feeling great. They get a field goal the rest of the way. Uh, so I, that was a loser. So I split my best bets last night. But BYU turns it on late, gets a win 38 26 over Utah State. There are a handful of games on the schedule tonight Tulane plus two and a half at Houston. I like me some Tulane here. Houston, Dana Holgerson, I think he's lost his team. It's a mess. He's talking about my players don't have any discipline. I don't know what else to do. Bro, how you're many the time, coach. How many, times do, <laughs> how many times do I talk about the lack of defense for the for Houston? This was, and by the way, lost their best defensive lineman now. So it, This was supposed to be Sack Avenue. This defense was supposed to get – they were one of the best teams in the country last year in getting after the quarterback, and they brought back everyone. And they just have not been able to cause the same type of pressure. And in the secondary, they miss a ton of tackles. They are very, very, very bad defensively. This total is at 55, and I would not be surprised to see this game go over. Uh, UTSA minus four at Middle Tennessee State. UTSA. I love UTSA in this spot. I do too, my friend. That's good. This is, you want to talk about a letdown. Middle Tennessee won their Super Bowl, won their Super Bowl, defeating Miami, and now has to get a hungry UTSA squad here on a shortened week. I think this is a great spot for UTSA to roll in there and come away with a win. San Diego State plus six and a half at Boise. I'll say this. Boise loses Hank Bachmeyer to the transfer portal. He stunk. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm not, I bet on him that first game of the season, and 
Uh, I remember after the game, he so he was terrible. What do you have, like five interceptions? Yeah, he's like bad. That? And I texted, uh, uh, you know, former coworker, good friend Stormy Buonantoni, who uh, is the uh, she does side she works for Veasan, but she also does sidelines for ESPN college football broadcasts, and she was doing sidelines of that Boise State game, and so. I, I basically, you know, I tweeted out something about how Boise State had four turnovers in the first half, and you just can't handicap for that. Just whatever. And she said that uh, she talked to the Boise State radio analyst after the game, and they said it's the worst they've seen their quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, play in four years. And it caught everyone off guard. This guy is a senior. He's been around for a while, and he looked terrible for the Boise State Broncos. Yeah, so now they, they fired their OC, Tim Plow, as well. They bring in Dirk Cutter, who's that's a pretty nice get for a program like, like Boise State, uh, and he's going to break in some new things against the San Diego State team. And San Diego State's offense was putrid last week against Toledo. Burmeister throwing for just over 80 yards on the day. This Boise's D uh, is is almost impossible to run on, and now you're going to make an already bad offense one-dimensional this could get ugly. Wash- the only thing that I will say here right. is is having watched that game that I bet on and lost with Boise State, Taylor Green is the redshirt freshman that basically played the bulk of that game when Bachmeyer was pulled in the first quarter. And I remember like he's I remember watching that game and Boise State came back and I'm like, you know what? Why don't they put Bachmeyer back in? Because this is a game now. They could they have a chance. And it felt like Andy Avalos, the the head coach, was u- using this game as a preseason. Like, let, let's see what the freshman has. And I'll tell you what he has. He's got legs. He's got mobility. And if Dirk Cutter finds a way to utilize this kid's athleticism, don't be surprised if everyone is going to come in and bet San Diego State thinking Boise State is in shambles. If Taylor Green runs all over San Diego State and Boise State comes away with a program morale-boosting victory at home. The featured game of Friday night, Washington, two-and-a-half-point favorites at UCLA, a couple unbeaten Pac-12 teams. How impressed have you been? With Washington's offense, I've been incredibly impressed I, because last year I was like I I made a ton of money betting against Michael Penix Jr. and the change of scenery, change of coach has clearly done him well. And this is something that I talked about when I bet on Washington. What was the game? We had them in the contest and and we took them to maybe was it two weeks ago? Maybe we bet on we bet on Washington. Oh, against Michigan State. Yes, against Michigan State. They blew them out. Yep. And part of the handicap that I talked about, and I wrote it up, I gave it out on pregame.com, was Kalen DeBoer, who's the new head coach at Washington. Everyone knows him from Fresno State when he was with Jay Kaner, the quarterback yep. there. They put up those incredible numbers. But prior to joining Fresno State, Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator at Indiana, where Michael Penix was his quarterback. And Penix had his best season when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator at Indiana. And so this marriage was perfect. And they're reunited now in Seattle. And the Huskies offense looks like one of the top in the nation. 
And I think this team rolls over UCLA. I get it. It's in the Rose Bowl. We know there's no home field advantage there. They can't even give away tickets to go to these games. Yeah, this is a weird game for me because I, I would like to take Washington. It's their first road game of the season, though, which I, I don't like. And then if you look at the UCLA side, they've played absolutely no one. Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, who they beat by one, and then a win at Colorado, who Colorado – they might be the worst power five team in the country. So this is going to be a watch and learn game. I like for me. the over in this game. I, oh, I don't hate that. D- certainly DTR and Penix going back and forth. I could see that happening here. Here's another thing. This game kind of does fall into one of my systems. I put systems in air quotes because you know, are you a systems guy now? No, no, no. I'm just saying you know, <laughs> the psych system always works. Uh, no, I always love when a home dog plays a standalone nationally televised game against a ranked opponent. So it usually happens when it's a Thursday night game or a Friday night game or that Saturday night ABC primetime game. So you have unranked UCLA as a home dog in a nationally televised standalone ESPN game against a ranked Washington opponent. Usually students get up for that game. The stadium is full. But UCLA Stadium is not on campus. It's never full. I don't think there's going to be that type of advantage here for the Bruins at home. All right. And one last game. We're going to have to get used to this. UNLV, a 14-point favorite. What? What? (laughs) New Mexico, the Lobos, come into town. Is 14 like is anybody lining up to give 14 points with with UNLV these days? Is that a real thing? This is a team that scored 34 points against Utah State last week on the road in a big win. BYU I mean, couldn't even score 21 and a half in the first half. What's yeah, wrong with these guys? UNLV put up 58 against North Texas. I mean, you look at the tail of the tape between these two teams. UNLV is averaging 40 points per game. We may just have to get used to living in a world where UNLV is not one of the worst teams in in college football. Can we give Marcus Arroyo, the head coach, some credit? I think we have to give him some credit. I mean, this have is a to. guy that's turned this program around, and, and Brumfield, at quarterback, looks like he can play. So maybe UNLV can play football. So that's the Friday card, and we will get to the key games on Saturday in The Look Ahead. Let's start with college football on Saturday, noon Eastern kickoff, Michigan 10-point favorites at Iowa Same time, Oklahoma, six-point road favorites at TCU. Three o'clock Eastern time, we're going to get Oregon State plus 10.5, coming off a disappointing loss to USC, a game they probably should have won outright. They're going to get tested again at Utah. 10.5-point road underdogs are the Beavers. 3.30, Oklahoma State, two-point dogs at Baylor. Same time, 3.30 Eastern, Wake Forest plus 6.5 at Florida State. And Alabama, minus 17 and a half at Arkansas, 4 o'clock Eastern, Texas A&M, three and a half point dogs at Mississippi State. And the big Saturday night ABC game, 7.30 Eastern, North Carolina State, six and a half point uh, dogs at Clemson. Let's get to the Major League Baseball schedule where we're in the home stretch here, AJ. Playoff positioning and playoff spots 
are on the line. We start with the Philadelphia Phillies. Game one of a doubleheader will be at 1 o'clock Eastern time. It's a double dip in D.C. against the Nationals. Bailey Falter on the hill for the Phillies. Eric Fetty goes for the Nationals. The Phillies are in an absolute tailspin right now. They just got swept by the Chicago Cubs. Yes, the Chicago Cubs swept the Phillies. Get this. It's the first time in 139 years that the Cubs or Phillies swept the entire season series from the other team. I was there last time it happened. We all were. So the Cubs, uh, imagine betting that streak, like betting the Phillies on yesterday, thinking... It hasn't happened in 139 years. That can't possibly go out. <laughs> we have to do that. Philly is in such a bad way right now. They have only won three games out of their last 13 games. But good news for Philadelphia because last night, Milwaukee lost to the Marlins. So the Phillies do enter today still a half game up on Milwaukee for the third and final wild card spot. In the National League. other One other day game. It's going to be the Reds at the Cubs. Graham Ashcraft on the hill for Cincinnati. Adrian Sampson goes for the Cubs. Cubs are minus 155. Aaron Judge will look for home run number 62. As the Yankees host the Orioles. Domingo Herman on the hill for the Yankees. Jordan Lyles goes for Baltimore. Odds on Judge to hit a home run here tonight. Plus 230. You taking it? No. Okay. Phillies game two. Are you two. taking it? You know about you know about this more than I do. You think I it think happens he's tonight? I think he's loose now. I think he's loose. I think okay. he gets it. I think, I think I'll do it every night because okay. uh, he's going to hit it. Uh, Phillies take on the Nationals for game two of the doubleheader. Noah Syndergaard is going to pitch that game for the Phillies. The Nationals haven't announced anyone just yet. The Red Sox take on the Blue Jays in Toronto. Alec Manoa on the hill for the Jays. They're minus 205 favorites. Nick Pavetta goes for the Red Sox. Royals at the Guardians. It's going to be Aaron Savale on the hill for Cleveland and Brady Singer going for KC. Guardians minus 130. Tigers host the Twins. Minnesota minus 145 with Joe Ryan on the hill. The Mets take on the Braves. This is it. The battle for the National League East. The Mets have a one-game lead over Atlanta. The weather passing through, so Atlanta made the right decision not moving any of these games. You know what I'd do if I were both these teams? I throw my best pitcher today. And that's exactly what they're doing. Jacob DeGrom gets the start for the Mets. Max Freed for the Braves. The Mets are road favorites. Minus 125 with a low total of six and a half. There will be a playoff-like atmosphere in Atlanta all weekend long. The Marlins take on the Brewers in Milwaukee. Sandy Alcantara against Corbin Burns. You want to talk about a pitching matchup? We got the reigning Cy Young winner in the National League going up against the likely winner of this year's Cy Young Award in Sandy Alcantara. Milwaukee minus 178 at home. Again, they trail the Phillies by a half game for the third wild card. Rays are at the Astros. Drew Rasmussen goes for Tampa. Framber Valdez for Houston. The Pirates are at the Cardinals. Uh, looks like a former Cardinals farmhand, Johan Oviedo, is going to start for the Pirates, going up against Jack Flaherty, St. Louis, minus 205. When you see that happen, AJ, do you think the team that drafted the player, that had the player in the farm system, has the scouting report on them? They know all about them? 
I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess I'd, I never think about it that way. I think the guys just – and I'm sure they've coached him differently since he's been with Pittsburgh. I would imagine that he's – he probably looks a lot different now than when he left. That's true. Once a different pitching coach gets their hands on a guy, no usually they change everything about him. Uh, Rangers are at the Angels. Glenn Otto goes for Texas. Reed Detmers goes for L.A. Shohei Otani last night, speaking of L.A., lost a no-hitter with two outs in the eighth inning. So that was exciting stuff for uh, Otani and the Angels last night in Anaheim. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. The guy is phenomenal. Uh, White Sox are at the Padres. You Darvish on the hill for San Diego. They're minus 210 favorites. The A's are at the Mariners. Logan Gilbert gets to start for Seattle. Rockies at the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw on the hill for L.A. Likely his uh, final tune-up for the postseason. And the Diamondbacks at the Giants. Merrill Kelly against Alex Cobb. UFC Vegas 57. Some people call it, like, I've seen it called UFC Vegas 57. I've seen 70. I don't know how they number these UFC Vegases, but UFC Vegas Dern versus Zhaonan. We're going to call it that. Uh, that's the main event, Mackenzie Dern and Jan Zhaonan. And I'm going to get my best bet here on the main event. Mackenzie Dern by submission, minus 110. Uh, Dern is still a so-so athlete and an absolutely terrible striker. But her grappling is just unmatched at this level. Early in her UFC career, she had a hard time getting takedowns. That's improved in her recent fights. And it should be manageable against Jan, who's not a physically strong fighter for the weight class. Dern's going to work her way into clinches, drag the fight to the ground. And once that happens, she's going to dominate. All she needs is one good takedown to get a submission here. We just saw Carla Esparza absolutely control Jan on the mat. So assuming the mat, it hits the mat at some point over the course of these five rounds, I think it ends quickly. McKenzie Dern by submission, minus 110 in the main event this week. I'll tell you there. Uh, for more on the NFL schedule for this weekend, be sure to listen to the Dream Preview podcast right here on this same podcast feed. You can get ready for the college football slate on Saturday by checking out the college football edition with AJ and myself. But RJ, Fezzik, McKenzie, all of us on the Dream, RJ Bell's Dream Preview, breaking down NFL Week 4. Get ready for Sunday's action. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. This is Straight Out of Vegas AM.